Alright, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast. Monty DeFaro, only seen here out of Indie Music Studios out of Ron Konkuma. Abe, show number two. How we doing? Abe, we have a special guest on. I don't think you were around the last time he was on. No, um, I don't think so. The great John Cena Sr. John, welcome aboard. Thank you for coming back on the show. We've missed you. I miss you guys, too. You guys are great. You're awesome. We always had a great time, and I'm very honored to be able to come back on the show. Thanks for asking me on. Well, it's our honor. Jimmy, John Cena Sr. Yes, sir. The man. Mr. Mr. John Cena Sr. The nicest man we've ever interviewed, by the way. Who gets it? Who gets what we're about? I love John Cena Sr. How are you, sir? Thanks for coming on. I'm fabulous, as I say. (laughs) Looking good. Fabulous. John, so we were talking before the show, right? You you just said what you just turned eighty, right? I'll be eighty in June. Yep. Unbelievable! I cannot believe the kind of shape you're in, and I swear to God, I thought you were sixty something, or maybe sixty one. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. I'm like, I was yeah. like, what? Are you yeah. kidding me? I guess I should have looked up Wikipedia or something. I'm like, <laughs> this guy doesn't look a, a day over. Some- he looks Some, younger something than me. is in that sauce. Something's in the well, sauce. I, Admit it, John. I mean, I the water. All I know is, is my girlfriend's twenty-four years younger. What? Ah, there you go. Maybe there that's go. that might be the secret. That might be the there secret. There you go, right there. Twenty-four years yeah. younger. That could be it. John, wow. I know you're you're a pretty religious guy. Is there a possibility when I die I could come back as you? Is that possible? What? No. <laughs> No, I think John, people clear him up. One of me is enough, man. They don't need any more. Friggin' uh, guy. The guy's 80. He looks like he's 50 or 49, and he's got a woman 24 years younger. Jimmy, I give up. <laughs> I give up. What you? She's from Brooklyn, New York. Jeez. Ah, very good. That'll keep you young. That'll keep you yeah. young. But they're yeah. tough. I'll but tell the, you, they're tough. They're tough. But the key, the key thing, though, Mike, the most important thing about Mr. Cena is, is, is that with all those things you described, he's young up here. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He stay, he stays young, but with with an educated mind. That's a dangerous weapon right there, because you've got the experience with the youthful enthusiasm. Okay. That's what separates him from most people. And one day, maybe I'll get there. I'm trying, man. But this moronica, like we spoke about before the show, tomorrow, the moronica is running wild with me. I don't know what to do. Maybe that keeps me young. I don't know. Amen. I think so. Amen. John, there's like, just a question. Your girlfriend, does she give you flack about like, like still loving wrestling? Is she like enough already? What? Or you, what's that like? <laughs> Well, as a matter of fact, when I first when I first met her, um, I'll tell you how I met her. I played Santa Claus. I've been doing it for over thirty years, and um, we were at a, a gathering at the Blue Ocean. I needed an assistant. They sent her down. That was the beginning. That's it. And then I told her I do professional wrestling too. I do matches, and she said, "Ah, oh, I'm not into that. I don't like that stuff. I don't want that stuff." You know, the old F-bomb stuff. New York is all F-bombs, right? And then um, now now I can't stop her from coming. We go to AEW, go to once in a while we'll sneak if we can at WWE. 
Um, I got the shows up here. Um, she's really into it. She's having a lot of fun with it. I think, you know, I, I say to people, wrestling is like acting, especially for us, you guys that are in the business. Once you get in the ring, it's like getting the makeup on your face when you're an actor. It's in your blood. You never get it out. We got it. Well, we got to talk about that because there's so many different issues we you know, just with today's society, with fans and everything else, and you're right in the mix of it. So I'd love to see, you know, get your, your viewpoints on it. But before we get into it, I wanted to cover a news article. Um, we obviously know the Kansas City Chiefs won yet another Super Bowl. And, John, I don't want to hear it because your Patriots have yeah. won enough Super Bowls. Me and Jimmy are long-life Jet fans who live this miserable existence, so... Whatever. But anyway, on you want, a sad... You want to hear some F-bombs? You want to hear some F-bombs, John? We'll give you some F-bombs, and it won't be football either. Anyway. Unfortunately, during the celebration, there was, uh, with a nearly one million people, one million people were downtown Kansas City. I didn't even know Kansas City had that many people. But, um... Yeah, I mean, the country. There was a there was a there shooting. They came in from New Hampshire. They came in from all over the country. Who would ever? Well, I guess the power of a player, right? I guess the power of one right, player, yeah. and then you have the Swifties. Yep. So God knows. But anyway, right. unfortunately, right. what seems to be the thing that goes on in this world now, there was a shooting. People lost their lives. You know, John. Is, are we as a society getting worse, or do you feel it's just the same and we just get more information than we did in the past? My feeling is is this. In either way, I have never seen the country or the world in the state that it's in now. It's very sad. Um, you have people shooting for no reason. We have people attacking race, color, creed for no reason other than, than, than hate. Um, this stupidity of the shooting started, from what I understand, over a dispute, a dispute that spread into innocent people. One mother with two children is dead. They shot kids from age 6 to 14, 21, 47-year-old people, 50-year-old people, 60-year-old people for what? What is the reason? And then you find these other people that say uh, it's in their logs or, or society makes it so easy. We, we've got to be easy. You can't ban this. You can't do that. They make guns now with 3D printers. It, it, you know, you can't stop it. But there is a way to protect people from it by being stricter, by making the laws stricter to obtain the firearms. They're going to get them no matter what you want. But when people plan, they actually plan to go into schools, to go to these these events and, and commit these crimes because they want to be You know, I, I once wrote a newspaper article when I was in college, and I think it's rather apropos today. I wrote it that we are no better than the Roman Empire. If you look at where the Roman Empire was, the greatest in the world, and what happened? Rome fell because people refused to defend it. The interior of the society became corrupt. Things were allowed that shouldn't be. There was interior fighting. 
And so Rome fell because there was no way to defend it and no way to protect it. Its people fought amongst themselves. I'll tell you what, I make a prediction. I hope it never happens. I think the next war you see is going to be a civil war in this country. Mm. It's that bad. People now fight over the stupidest things. You know, I, I can't believe it. People get out of their cars and shoot people. People go to supermarkets and shoot people. They go into Walmart and shoot a, a cashier because they didn't speak to them the right way. Beat up somebody at McDonald's because they get the wrong order. What's wrong with this world? What is wrong? We've lost all sense of direction. We've lost all sense of self-respect and respect for what's around us. And I, I hate to say this. I raised five sons. It all begins at home. And, you know, I, I may be wrong, and you guys can bury me on this if you want. Uh, I'm, uh, I, you know, I'm not the with all for the answers. It all started when we took the Pledge of Allegiance out of classrooms and when we stopped some prayer. And believe me when I say, I don't force religion on anybody. What you believe, you believe. Whatever gets you to where you have to be, to give you the daily strength you need. And that's when I do weddings. I say, let's offer up our prayers now for a moment. For whomever it is you seek your daily strength from. It could be that tree next door. It could be that that picture of that Indian behind. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. So we've lost all that. It's a different direction. We're headed in a direction that is destructive. Look at the Roman Empire. That's exactly the, the track that we're on. Jimmy, what are your thoughts? Well, as I hear John talking, maybe we can take this prayer home tonight when, we, when we're done with the show. When I hear John talking and I, when I hear the way John is speaking and more, most importantly what John is saying, I pray that one day there will be someone who comes along and it doesn't matter what party he comes from. I pray that one day somebody comes along who speaks the way John just did, where we can all see the common sense in what the man is saying and we can all feel the same way about that man. That's when this country will be one again because common sense is what freed us Common sense is what has kept us intact, and common sense is what we're losing nowadays. There is no common sense, and if you don't, everything John said, you cannot argue with, okay? It says under God, indivisible, it, it, it says in God we trust on the money. I'm not telling you what to believe, but if you're just strictly talking about good and bad, why would you want the bad to run wild the way it has? Don't you know when enough is enough as a society? Don't you know that your neighbors at the end of the day face the same mortal things we all face? We're all heading to the same destination. And if you think that there's nothing at the end, that's your that's your free will to, to feel that way. But I prefer to think that there's a much better way after this way. And the only way to get there the best you can is just to treat that other way right here and now, okay? care about those people around you and i pray that one day we'll have a politician stand up there and carry himself and speak the way john just did because that's the kind of talk that will unite us again 
I uh, I agree with what both of you are saying and what John said. Um, it doesn't matter what you believe in, but there is there's some kind of law within religion that keeps people on the straight and narrow, right? Um, and at the worst case, you're just being taught what's right and what's wrong and, and establishing some kind of moral compass within yourself. So it does begin at home. And again, John, we, all, we know each other for a while, but we, we don't know each other super well. But you could clearly see by the children that you raised and um, what we see in public certainly an example out of how human beings should be acting um i mean talking about you know one of your sons obviously the great john cena what that man has done for children who are facing death uh there's not a word for it and there's no doubt that it started with you know you and their mother so kudos to you, sir, and I, I hope as a society we start to become quite, you know, better at this. I don't want to hang on the negative, um, but Billy Jack Haynes, we covered in the last show, Jimmy, unfortunately yeah. has been arrested for the murder of his wife. Um, yeah. His wife was ill uh, with dementia, a severe case. And folk, what we understand from the headlines that Billy might have or is, uh, has take took her life via gunshot. Um, John, I don't know if you knew Billy at all or you ran across him within your career, especially on the pro wrestling side. Um, do you know anything about Billy Jack Haynes? No, no, he started. I, I, I've heard, you know, various stories from various people about his temper, about um, how he was to deal with. Um, but when I, I, I never had the opportunity to meet him one on one. But when I listen to this story and I, I sit back and I say to myself, you know, if it in fact is true, and none of us know what the story is yet. Excuse me. The fact of the matter is that a person lost their life. Dementia is a very sad disease. I just had a friend lose his mother to that. She'd call up screaming, they're holding me hostage, get me out of here, they're starving me to death. And then he'd go back in the morning and say, say well, what do you mean I called you last night? I don't even have your telephone number. Um, you know, and then I see somebody else who's saying, I didn't talk to my granddaughter last night. It's a very serious, serious thing. And I, I pray to God someday that we find a cure for these things because I'm sure we have cures, but it just doesn't profit anybody to bring those cures of cancer and dementia and everything else forward. Um, we can find a cure for, a, for a, a COVID disease or at least contain it, but we can't find a cure for the common cold or cancer. Nothing makes sense. But for a man to reach the point Normally, what would happen under those circumstances, and, and I'm just, believe me, surmising. I feel very sorry it happened. Nobody understands the emotion he was going through. But usually those end in double suicides. Um, one mate cannot live without the other. It's, 
it's it's that that type of situation. What caused it? Why it was caused? There are, and I, I don't know anything other than what I hear or read. But it seems there's conflicting stories um, as to what it happened, why it happened. Some people say it's a loving relationship. Some people say it wasn't a loving relationship. You know, I guess I guess we're going to talk about another scandal with the WWE. Um, but the, the thing is, I always say, you know, there's three sides to every story. There's yours, there's mine, and there's the truth. And what we're after now is getting the truth. What really happened? What forced this man to supposedly, and you know, we do a lot of crazy things for love. And when you love a person that much and you can't stand to see that person suffer or go through what dementia causes, and it's cruel, it's cruel to watch somebody decay with that disease. Um, maybe that's why people do what they do. Um, hopefully, we'll get the story. Hopefully, we'll understand. Um, but uh, for myself, I just don't know. Like I say, I, I've, I've heard Dutch talk about him. I've heard other people speak about him. Um, he seemed to have a short fuse. You know, he was quick and easy on the draw, fast. And, uh, so who knows? Only God knows. Only he has the answer to happened and why it happened. Will it be believable? Only God knows that too. If it was a case of, I didn't want to watch them suffer anymore, well, I don't know how you justify that. Um, you know, I don't know what I would do in that case. I really don't. It's difficult enough to walk the path without taking somebody's life that you love so dearly. Uh, and that's why I say, when you read most of these things, uh, elderly couples doing this type of situation, it usually ends in, in, in one or the other or both being uh, demised. Mm. So I, I don't know the answer to that one. I, I really don't. I don't know if you've got any more feedback on that, if either of you know any more. Um, I think it's a bizarre story. I really do. Um, and to sit back and try to digest that, in my mind, I'm going, well, I read a lot about him. I know when he started wrestling. I know what he did. He was a great performer. But he had backstage issues, had issues with some of the people, according to Dutch Mantel, um, and a few of the other stars. Were those issues, and I believe, if I'm correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he was in the hospital. He had just suffered a fall, and he signed himself out, from what I understand, because he couldn't um, be without his wife. And, and went home, and, and that's when this situation started. The thing that confuses me on this issue, and again, I know very little about it, is why it took two hours to get a man out of a house. If it was a case of, um, of mercy killing, is that a good word to use? I guess that's the only word I can think of. That, that, that's, so what Jimmy and I, that's what Jimmy and I were discussing. It could be a case of... Yeah. You know, again, we don't want to speculate, but in my mind, we, 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 we met Billy twice. I spoke to Billy, I don't know, a handful of times <laughs> on the telephone, just in general conversation. Um, it could be a case of mercy killing John. I mean, me and Jimmy, we, we were discussing that earlier. Well, if that's the case, and, and again, let you and I 
somebody has to be the devil's advocate, so I'll, I'll be the devil's advocate, I guess. Sure. So if you if you perform that function and you remove that person, when the police come to your house, why does it take two hours before you let somebody in or two hours before you surrender? I don't that's the one thing that I can't in my mind figure out. I mean it's done. You did it out of love, and I'm sorry I did it, but I couldn't watch your suffer anymore. Here, take me. Take me. Come in and take me. Just make sure you take care of my wife and, and allow me to do what I need to do to, to give her her final resting place. These are things that kind of sit in my mind that I, it's kind of like sifting sand. There's some big lumps in that sifter that won't go through. And those are one of the things that, that sit in the back of my mind and say two hours before he finally came out or allowed people in. There's something illogical about that. Well, definitely illogical. I'll let Jimmy speak to this, but I will say that um, in the few times that we've met Billy and the few, again, the few times I spoke to him, there's certainly, you know, John, when you, when you speak to someone, you could feel like something's not exactly right. There's an uncomfortableness yes. that you get from somebody. That's what I got off of Billy. Seemed like a very nice guy. Don't get me wrong, but there was something off. Jimmy, do you want to add on to that? Well, since we're exploring the possibility that this was a, a, possibly a mercy killing, the only thing I can think of is is, is that when he took when he took her life, he took her life. But maybe he wasn't ready to leave her. And for some reason, the two hours, we don't know what went on in that house when those two hours were going on other than come out, as they were telling him to come out. Who knows? He might have been talking to her. I, I it, Look, we're exploring this possibility. So I'm thinking to myself, maybe he was talking to her, how sorry he was that he had to watch this. You know, and, and watch her fall apart and he didn't want to do this or 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 he wanted to tell her about things that they experienced in their time together that he remembered. It's his business, man. Mm. I, I, I don't know what happened in there. But if we're exploring the possibility that this was a mercy killing, I, I might not be ready to leave. I might have some more things I want to say to her before they take me away, because you know what your fate's going to be. Once you leave that house, you'll you won't be at the funeral because of the way it happened. You won't see her again, uh, you know. And yeah, I bet you he was also scared, you know. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things. You know, people think they can just make a cut dry blanket statement on where he was at. Anybody with a real feeling, caring soul knows how people usually can process things. And I I tend to think that he might have had needed some time before he left that house because he knew what he did was going to result in him never seeing her again one way or the other. He wasn't going to be at the funeral, judging the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And perhaps he just needed to say a few more things to her. I don't know. We don't know. Well, well done by both of you guys on this subject. John, I want to ask you a question since we're kind of getting into it. On this desk is a book called Monster Mirror. Um, it's actually uh, written by a gentleman, Michael Caprelli, who sat with the son of Sam, I'm sure you remember the son of Sam back in the day for, you know, a tremendous amount of hours. And as we all know, the son of Sam converted to Christianity and uh, believes in Christ and has asked for forgiveness. My question to you is, in your, on your end of it, 
you know, we have people like Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, Charles Manson, David Berkowitz. If a man is truly sorry and wants forgiveness from Christ, do you believe that they truly are forgiven and will reach the hand of God? I guess what I have to say is that if we go by scripture, um, I guess Jesus said everyone can be forgiven. All they have to do is ask. But I think the key to that is true remorse. Truly want to be forgiven for what you've done. Um, you know, I think that sometimes people that perform these heinous acts at the end might have this revelation and fear that what happens after I'm gone and where do I go? You know, I always joke, um, my friends always say to me, well, I'm an atheist. I say, you can't be an atheist because you believe in yourself. And besides, the definition of a dead atheist is somebody all dressed up with no place to go. <laughs> so you don't want to be there. And think about this. You've got a man now that commits murder, a man that says he's religious, that believes in Christ, that believes that Christ is his Savior and his Lord. And based on Scripture, if you ask to be forgiven and are truly sorry for your sins, then Jesus will forgive you. You know, that's, so let it be written, as, as they said in the Ten Commandments, so let it be done. Um, if we believe in who he was and, and what he was and, and what he did, then my answer to that has to be a definite yes. But I wonder if at some point in time it's just not a charade. It's just like, I don't want to face this death. I don't want to be hated by people for the rest of my life. Is it, did you really find salvation? Did you really find the meaning of forgiveness? Um, you know, I think one of the most difficult things in the world is you and I as, as, as people to forgive, to truly walk up and, and, and hug somebody and say, it's okay, what you did is okay, I forgive you for what you did. Um, that takes a lot of guts, it takes a lot of courage and um, people are not forgiving. My old, my old saying is, in order to be forgiven, one must first forgive. That's the way it goes. Um, yeah, that's a good shot, I guess. Um, but I would say that if he truly is remorseful and he truly is turned to the Lord, um, then I would say the Lord would not abandon him and would save him. Other people will sit back and say, wait a minute, that man murdered all these people. He deserves to go to hell, you know? And if we go back to scripture on that, and believe me, I'm not a super religious guy. I believe in what I believe in. Um, we were joking the other day, it was Ash Wednesday on Valentine's Day, and, and my girlfriend, I don't know if you can still see it or not, but my sister even saw it today when I brought her something. She said, you got a cross on your head. It, for some reason, it won't wash out. And um, so my sister's very comical. She said, that's because you need a lot of help. And I said, you can't be far off. But um, when you think about forgiveness, again, we as society sit back and can't understand this word. We're all guilty. I, I stand guilty as charged. You know, um, we, we, we don't want to forgive. Hate is what we thrive on. You know, an eye for an eye is what we thrive on. Um, so if somebody commits a heinous crime and, and 
I remember when I was in college, um, my psychology teacher, where I was writing a, a paper on capital punishment in favor of it. And she was not. And so I said, you're not in favor of, of killing uh, or getting rid of a person who's committed murder, who's destroyed people. I said, so what I'm going to do is let's use this example. The first thing I'm going to do at night, I'm going to sneak into your house. I'm going to tie you to a chair. I'm going to tie your husband and your two children to the next three chairs. And I'm going to slit their throats and cut off their hands and throw them at you one at a time. And then I'm going to walk out the door and say goodbye. And I was sick and didn't mean to do it. And I said, now, what will you do when you get loose? And you know what her answer was? The first thing I do when I get out of that chair is I'm going to kill you. Mm. Well, you can't speak out of both sides of your mouth. You know? So forgiveness is difficult. Only God for, can forgive. And, you know, the question a lot of people have is, is it or isn't it? Does it or does it exist? I don't know. I only believe. Faith is when we're gone, we find out if whether we're right or wrong. You know? So to forgive, maybe he could be. Maybe he would be. I believe that he would. But then that's like saying, what about Saddam Hussein, Adolf Hitler, Muammar Gaddafi, you know, all these people Stalin. Who, who brutalized these people, and, and, and will they be forgiven if they ask for it? Because we're so quick, and I believe you'd be with me standing right there. Frig them, shoot them, get rid of them, shoot them. Why rehabilitate? It's only going to come back and bite you in the ass, so to speak. So I guess that's my answer. I get too, I get too long-winded on things, I'm sorry. But um, I, I think no. that's it. John, John, why do you think the uh, why do you think that religion in general is under attack nowadays? And is is this a direct result of the cynical world we seem to be living in now? The lack of any uh, acknowledgement of people's religions anymore, or what do you think it is that you know we're seeing religions under such attack, especially Christianity? Well, I think. When you follow Christianity and you, you go back and look at the history of it, <clears throat> there were some bad times. A lot of things were done and, and taught out of fear because they needed to control the masses. When you go back and look at the history of the Catholic Church, go back and look at the beginning of the Lutheran Church, Martin Luther had it right when he nailed his 96 theses on the door and said, wait a minute, yep. you can't sell yep. indulgences. You can't sell right. the right to get to heaven. You can't do right. this. You know, he had a very simple, logical answer to life. And Jesus basically said the same thing. You know, how simple is it to get to heaven? And, and Jesus' answer was simple. He simply said, love your God with your whole heart and love your fellow man in person. And things are good. Love your neighbor. And what did Luther say? Be the, try to be the best person you can. And don't hurt anyone and go through life and that's an, enough, because right or wrong, if I, I read things wrong, didn't he die once and for all for sin? So that we were all forgiven for sin? Now, that doesn't mean right. that we won't have these guys that keep popping up, like Stalin, like Adolf Hitler, who destroyed millions of innocent Jewish people, or Stalin, who destroyed the Russians, starved them to death and froze them to death. Um, you know, so religion is under attack in Christianity, because today's society, I don't know if you watch Discovery, if you watch any of those programs, 
but they're all trying to disprove the theory that it's not true. Uh, I have a nephew um, that says, Uncle John, you're kind of crazy. You know, Jesus isn't real. He never existed. Well, that's not true because they have historical fact that there was this prophet. Call him what you will. The Jews don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but they believe he was a great prophet. So Correct. the fact of the matter is, then along comes pedophilia. Here's a church that teaches, hold it, you can't do this, but yet it's being swept under the rug, and they're allowing it. So now people lose faith because you remember the very people you looked up to have now violated you. They've taken you for a ride, and this is what's happening. People will say to you, you know, I guess I'd probably get in trouble with the church, and I do. I try to do what I can, but I truly don't believe that God is in a building. I believe God exists in your heart, in your home, and in your family, and with your friends. Nobody says you can't pray in your room. Nobody says, you know, I'll have a cigar and I'll say my rosary. People say, you can't do that. But God understands. You see, the thing that, that's wrong with Christianity, I think, is the lack of acceptance. I always say to people, what would Jesus do? Do you think if Jesus was surrounded by gays and lesbians, he would say, uh-uh, you ain't going to make it, brother. You're bad people. No way. He embraced everyone. Do you think, and now I'm going off on a tangent, and, and shut me up if I'm off, but, um, you know, I once said to the priest when, one of the, when somebody said, well, this so-and-so said gays and lesbians are a greater threat to the world than global warming. And I said to this priest, well, Father, do you believe that God doesn't create evil and God doesn't create things that are destructive? And he said, yes. Well, then if gays and lesbians are such a threat to this world, why does he keep creating them because you don't believe for one minute that somebody gets up and says oh well I think today I'm just going to be gay you know I think I think what's happening is until people understand that Christianity embellishes a big set of arms that engulfs everyone and says I don't care what you are who you are if Jesus loves you which he does then I love you. Because I used to have a little medal that I used to give out to people. It was a hand, and in that hand was a person. And the bottom said, God doesn't make junk. So we're all part of what's happening. We need to, and the churches especially, need to ex accept people for who they are. For who they are. Because when you look at the churches, and I don't care if it's the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, the Lutheran Church. We're finding all of these things happening. People being molested, um, you know, money being stolen. It's crazy. And in, in, in the hierarchy of this Catholic Church, it started with the priests. Now it's gone to the bishops, the cardinals. And now they're talking about the sexual abuse of nuns. So you hold on to something and, and you say, Wow, am I making a mistake? It, it does it not exist? And I will tell you this, and I'll shut up after this. I was part of the healing ministry at La Salette Shrine. I saw things 
that you would never believe. I prayed over people that, that I, I had a little girl who was deaf in her left ear. She wouldn't walk up. Her mother was worried. So Father Boulanger and I prayed, and she fell in the aisle. Now, this woman was, this young girl had to be 20 feet from me. So the mother said to the priest, what do I do now? And he said, go down and whisper in her ear as soft as you can and tell her you love her, but make sure it's the ear she can't hear out of. Well, she went down and, I mean, you couldn't even hear this woman speak. And this girl grabbed her mother, kissed her and said, and I love you too. Mm. Another situation was um, I was in, in uh, a retreat and this lady had polio um, canes and couldn't walk. And uh, I said to somebody, I said, I think tonight that lady's going to get rid of those. And they said, you can't say that. And she started walking, and I said, get rid of them. And um, she dropped them. And for three days, she never walked with them. She never used them for three days. What happened after that, I don't know. So for you to tell me that something bigger than me doesn't exist, I say you're a liar. Even Descartes, the greatest thinker of the world, Descartes, said, Finally, there's something bigger than me. Call it whatever you wish. Call it God. Call it the tree. Call it the sky. There's definitely something that's bigger than you and I. And I've seen it with my own eyes. And, you know, I doubt. Believe me when I tell you I doubt. I, I'm not this saintly person. I know who I am and what I am. You know, I believe in what I, I choose to believe in. I don't tell you to believe in what I believe in. Um, you know, I, I joke when I do weddings, you know, they'll say, um, so what religion are you? I say, I'm a Roman Catholic. I roam from one church to the other. So it's like, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like, I do what I want to do when I want to do it, but I never have lost touch with somebody bigger than me. I remember when I was going through my divorce, um, I had no money to buy food and, um, I just, and when I pray, I guess I do it different than most people. I just kind of sit and have a conversation. I can remember sitting in my chair with a cigar and saying, God, I can't take this shit anymore. Uh, how am I going to buy food? What am I going to do? you got to help me. Somebody has got to help me. Please give me a hand. And I swear to God, and I tell the story all the time, I walked down to my mailbox, and I had forgotten I had taught a class, and there was a check for $600 in the mailbox. It's like um, I say to people all the time, now we're talking religion, they say, prayers don't get answered. I pray for all this stuff, and I, it never gets answered. Well, you know what? I, my answer is simple, and, and maybe it's wrong. God never, ever fails to answer your prayers. Maybe he doesn't answer them the way he, you want it, but God will always give you what you need not necessarily what you want. And if you believe that, and you have a little bit of faith like that little mustard seed, and sometimes I don't even have that, believe me. My faith is so weak. I doubt so much sometimes. Um, then I think it goes on. What's happened is people today have become too busy to take time for religion. They've become too busy because now they work six days a week. When I was a kid, we had the blue laws. Do you remember those? Mm -hmm. you, everything was closed on Sunday. Right. And being Italian, one of the things we had to do was go to Mass. Then you had Sunday dinner. So you had my familia. There was family time. 
Um, you had CCD, uh, you know, um, catechism class. Uh, we don't have that anymore. Parents don't practice what they believe in. You know, uh, there's the old joke, and maybe this will answer it, I don't know, but there was a rabbi, a priest, and a minister, and they're all talking, and, and the rabbi says, you know, you guys have trouble with bats? And they go, yeah, we all have trouble with bats. He said, yeah, I just had the exterminator in the temple, and he got rid of the bats, and three weeks later they came back. What about you, minister? He said, me? I got the same problem, he said. We have this church, and there's an attic up there. I paid the exterminator, and guess what? The bats are back in three weeks. He said, what about you, Father? He said, well, the last time we had bats, I walked up into the belfry. I, may, I gave them their first communion, confirmation, and said, God bless you, and they haven't been back since. So that's what happens with Christianity. Because we don't continue to practice. We don't teach it in the home. People are losing faith in it. The younger generation today, um, whether they believe in God or not, I, I choose to believe that they do. I choose to believe also that they don't believe in organized religion. That's the right. answer. Right. And so they, right. yeah. And so I think that's the reason right. we have this diversification. And until, right. until religions, and I'm Roman Catholic or Catholic, until the church understands what divorce is really all about, and it's not about an annulment, it's not about saying Jesus said, what I put together, let no man put asunder. If that's true, then you can't grant an annulment. Nobody can. Nobody can divide a marriage. So until they understand that, until they understand the privacy of two people as far as birth control, until they learn forgiveness and love and understanding and let everybody come in, gays, lesbians, black, green, purple, I don't give a shit what you are, transgender, whatever. You know what? There is a good lesson to be learned from the good book when somebody, when Jesus said, before you try to take the twig from your brother's eye. First go home, look in the mirror, and remove the beam from your own eye. And yep. I think that's what's yep. happening. And, and society today has no use for it. They have no time for religion. But I'm going to end it on this. Every time something goes wrong, what's the first thing people say? God help me. Right, right. Mike, if I can get this in quick, and I, I can't remember who said this, but I... I, I never forgot this. When you pray to whatever God you may pray to, okay, this is for everybody across the board. There are three answers to choose from that come back from the maker. And this is what somebody told me. I never forgot it. When you ask for something from, from God, answer one, we all understand. Yes. That's the instant, you know, wow, like you went to the mailbox. Okay, er everybody can relate to that. That's fantastic. That's awesome. It's the other two that are very, very important. Number two, not now. And number three, the best one, I have something else in mind for you. I always found that to be very, very deep, and I think that that's something that anybody could take into their own heart when they, if if their prayer is not answered, number one, yes, to think about the not now, or even more deep, I have something else in mind for you. That's all I wanted to get in, Mike, but that's a great answer, John. Thank no, you. No, no. So I don't really want to get into the, the scandal that's going on, right? We're going to go beyond that, but the question I do have, John, is do you think that a good man... At some point in their life, if they become so rich and powerful, they lose their 
their morality and become a god to themselves. And that could that could be laid out to so many human beings that we know within the world. Do you do you think that's what goes on? We all have our skeletons in our closets. We are who we are. We know what we are, and we know who those what those skeletons are. I've read the lawsuit. I've listened to a lot of people talk. Um, I go right back to my original three, the statement I made before. There's your side, her side, and the truth. So there are many things that make my mind ask questions. Um, you know, how factual is it? Um, did it really happen? Um, it seemed to happen at an inopportune time. All of a sudden, this blows up. Um, does money make a difference? Is Does age make a difference? Uh, if were any enhancement drugs were taken, did that make a difference? Um, I can only say this. I myself sit back and say, I can't believe it. I've, no, I've met him. I've known him. Um, I respect him. Uh, people are going to hate me for saying this. I know that. And I'm not trying to kiss anybody's ass. I'm not trying to cover any fluff. I'm just telling you what I see from my perspective. Um, I just think it's very crazy that all of a sudden this pops up. I think if, if what we're hearing is true, I think it's crazy to spend $19.5 million on women um, to keep their mouths shut. And if, if, if people are willing to be silenced for money, then do we have a crime? Um, and I, I guess that's a poor choice of words on my part. But when you stop and think about it, the first offense was $3 million. It went away. This one over here went away. Um, don't you think if, if the offenses were serious enough that people would unite and come forward as a whole? Um, I don't know all the facts. I really don't. I'm not a lawyer. I've listened to people talk about it. I've listened to lawyers speak about it. Uh, where it all ends up, I don't know. All I do know is this, that a man and a woman's reputation and an organization's reputation have now been severely scarred and marred. Intentional or unintentional, it's hurt a lot of people. I don't think that was ever the intent. Um, if any of this is true to the point of deviation that I've read, then I have to say I feel sorry. I feel sorry that somebody ever reaches that point in their life where you have to take advantage of somebody to that extent, really, that's just not right, period. It's not right. Um, but certainly, when we look at it, it's not something that people didn't know about. Is that a good word to use? Um, other people around you, you know, they didn't mm -hmm. quite understand it. Um, so whether all these things are true, um, I don't know. Supposedly, they've got this, they've got that. Um, I don't think it's a case of having money. I think that when people have money, um, it seems the more money you have, the more you believe you can get away with. Um, that's evident by a situation, um, I believe it was at a local 
pub, I think it was in Colorado, a bar, where a representative was in there, and he was uh, had a little, a little too much to drink, excuse me, and he kept saying, do you know who I am? I'll have this bar closed in one day. This bar is finished. You're done. Do you know who I am? Well, the fact of the matter, sir, you're drunk like everybody else. You're not above the law, but because of your position and because of the in, in anybody's case, a billionaire, a millionaire's case, the money and contacts you have behind you, you feel that you're one step above the law, one step above everyone else. And maybe that's the answer. I, I really don't know. Um, to me, it was a shock when it came out. I'm still trying to sift it out of my own mind. Um, a lot of talk about it. Other superstars have made no bones about coming out and speaking about it. I know that I texted you earlier and said, I, I really don't want to get into it because I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, I have my own personal feelings on it. Um, but again, money is power. And if that's the case, then the statement you just made uh, is true. If you have money, you have power. And when you have that, you believe you can do anything to anyone and get away with it. My answer to that would be absolutely yes. So but that Jimmy, doesn't mean everyone who has money and power falls to that level, who tries to control people beneath them. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess I got to shut up right now. No, I just, um, Jimmy, that's probably the best take I've heard on this situation. So, Absolutely. John, I'm sorry for not... I tried to avoid it as much as possible, so I do apologize. Nope. But um, that was probably the well, best you know, take I've heard on this on that on this situation. No, no surprise coming from John. John, can I can I ask you since we're talking about Vince? Can you tell me who is Vince McMahon to you with your experiences with him, and how has he treated your family over the years? Vince McMahon to me when I worked with him was a businessman. He was a friend to a lot of people. Um, he treated people with respect from what I saw, from what I saw. Remember, I wasn't right. backstage at night like these people. So I only Very saw one side of this man. Um, he was always kind and generous. Um, as far as my family goes, um, I only know what he did for me. Um, I saw how my son worked for him, his dedication. Um, I see, I saw how other people respected what he was and who he was. You know, I always say this, to be a businessman and want to succeed is tough. In this business, if you can't put asses in seats, what good are you to me? And so people become very upset. You know, well, I get rid of me because, or they get rid of me because, some of the people who recently get fired, I still can't figure out why they left Dolph Ziggler go, why they let some of these other people go. In my own mind, I just can't fathom it. Um, is it good for business? I don't think so. But in their opinion, it was. As far as Vince went, he was professional. He demanded respect. He gave respect. And he made sure that the show was run the way it was supposed to be run. Did he go overboard sometimes? I, I don't know that. Um, were there situations where you were told what to do? And um, in one situation, I had something I was supposed to say, and I remember saying to, to Paul Levesque, I said, so if I if I forget a word, I can ad lib it. He said, either you say it the way it is or you don't say it at all. So it was a business. And uh, Vince was always kind and generous. 
um, respectful. So that's what I know about Vince McMahon. I mean, every time he saw me or any member of my family, he was, hi, how you doing? Hey, Fabo, how's it going? Um, that's why I say I'm in shock. Let's swing this to more positive stuff. You were talking about AEW and we're talking yeah. about the WWE. We've all, between the three of us, we've all seen a lot of wrestling from a whole bunch of different generations. John, would you say today's wrestling right now at this moment is the best time ever for professional wrestling? No. No. I think now, I think what they've forgotten in this in this era of wrestling, and, and I think I think Paul Levesque is trying to bring that back. Um, Tony Khan's trying to do the same thing in a different way. Is that there are stories to be told, and and there are things that need to be done. You know, if you look at some of the the storylines out there, they last for two weeks. Who the hell holds a belt for three weeks and then loses it? I think Roman Reigns has held a belt too long now. The Bloodline was a good story. But I think it's time to end. Um, you know, there's stuff on the other side with Khan, a couple of things he's doing, they don't make any sense to me. This Don Callis thing is, um, you know, he made the statement, he, you know, if he had to slap a senior citizen, he would. Well, Don, I'm not too hard to find. Um, come on down. <laughs> nice. 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 You know, I mean. Nice. I'm, I'm there. So um, I just think what's lost is it's become more of entertainment. You remember in the days when we had the Grand Wizard, when we had uh, Chief J. Strongbow, a good friend, we had um, Haystacks Calhoun, the great Bruno San Martino, those guys told you a story, and, and I'm sure if you're like me, you sat there and you believed it. You believed that San Martino's neck got broken by Larry Zabisco. When he got beat in Boston Garden by Kolov, I thought they were going to kill that Russian guy. I thought he was going to be dead because the stories were real. There was something that made you want to be part of it. I think what's happened is Vince, I, I liken him to the Wizard of Oz. Remember at the very end, the dog pulls back the curtain and said, don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. And so what Vince did said was, yes, this is entertainment worldwide wrestling entertainment wrestling is entertainment it's scripted it's this it's that you know it's all about people getting high spots it's all about me it's not about us who cares if i win or lose as long as the story comes off the way it's supposed to come off and you don't see that today i, I talk to people all the time about you know i have a lot of friends at two guys uh, smoke shop and if you guys smoke cigars Come on, we'll go up and have a few sticks. But uh, at yeah. you guys, we're always talking about wrestling at some point, and and they all say the same thing. Ah, I watch a little here, I watch a little there. It's not the same. There's no stories. There's nothing to it. And then you hear somebody say, "Boy, I really hate that Seth Rollins. Great, Seth, you're doing a good job." But then they cut the storyline off. You know, when you take a man, and I think it all started when 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 the WWE thought it was funny to take superstars like Dusty Rhodes and dress them in polka dots and send them out into that ring. When you start a storyline with somebody and, uh, for a couple of weeks and then it's gone, 
what is there to follow? A great man, Dusty Rhodes, great human being, one of the all-time greats. Cody Rhodes has got big boots to fill. Let me tell you right now. Well, let me, I John, think, let me ask you a question on it. I don't mean to cut you off, but you did say no, something no, about taking the belt from Roman Reigns. And by the way, outrage. This, this outrage. old man loves How our tribal chief, you? okay, just so we understand this. Um, don't you, you think – I got two questions now. Don't you think it's important that Roman passes Hogan, right? And two, the biggest thing you just mentioned – do you really think Cody Rhodes is the guy to carry the WWE further down the road? He can, can he fill our tribal chief's boots? Jimmy, put your hand up, please. Show the respect to our tribal chief. Thank you. John? <laughs> you okay over there? <laughs> Acknowledge well, you know, him, I'm John. <laughs> When, when he first started, um, I made a comment, and I, and God rest his soul, on Dan Marotti's uh, Boston Wrestling. We had that show mm -hmm. every week. Um, and I made the comment that um, Roman Reigns um, just didn't have it because they brought him in the wrong way. If they'd have brought Roman Reigns in as what he is now okay. and then turned him face, he would be the face of the company. Um I'll say this, and, and maybe I'm all wet. I don't think you'll ever, ever see another face of the company. I think you'll see superstars who will be recognized to be able to accomplish great deals, but you'll never see another Stone Cold Steve Austin, another face. You won't see another Dwayne Johnson, another face. Um, you know, you won't see those types of people coming in. Um, is Cody Rhodes, and, and, and one thing, Roman Reigns with that belt, if you look at the number of times Hulk Hogan defended it and the number of times your tribal chief has defended it, <laughs> Stefan Yang defended the tribal chief, and Hulk Hogan, what you going to do, brother, when I kick your ass, right? And that's what makes it bad. You see, if he's a true fighting champion, I don't care how he does it, how he wins, is Paul Heyman's, Shoves a thermometer up your nose and you can't breathe and he pins you. Who cares? If you get hit with a chair or a solo Sakai comes in and beats you up, who cares? At least he's doing something. He's defending his title. It doesn't but, work. But, John, he's not a fighting don't you want our universal champion every time he defends a title to be a special occasion like a Mike Tyson-esque bout? You know, I'm going to say this. Yes, everybody wants a special occasion. But when you and I can sit here, and this is what's wrong with professional wrestling today, when I can sit here with my 10-year-old granddaughter and she said, Papa, Roman Reigns is going to win again. <laughs> Papa, Cody Rhodes is going to win again. You know what? That's not wrestling. That's just bullshit. And so and I'm being I'm being very open-minded right you know I'm, I'm sorry but i think at some point this is not about a champion this is about they want me to beat this man's record they don't give a damn how i do it he's beaten everybody else's record but now they want him to be help hogan's record and then 
he'll drop the belt. Right. Well, what about John Cena being 17-time heavyweight champion? Yeah. What about that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Definitely, I'm just using that as, not because he's my son. Forget he's my son. Right. What about yeah. it? Let's look at all he's done, how he's done it. Where is that reward? Mm. Now, Cody right. Rhodes. You asked me about Cody. When I was getting my ass kicked by Randy Orton in that ring for the main event, who came to my rescue for the first time? It was Cody Rhodes. Mm. And when mm. they, they did a gimmick on what did Cody Rhodes have in his uh, bag in the locker room, he had Fabo Bucks. <laughs> so is, is Rhodes the guy? He's got the look. He has the determination. But does he have the endurance to keep putting the asses in seats? Because what right. I see with professional wrestling is people tire quickly. Unless it's interesting, captivating, and mystical, it doesn't work. Will he ever become the face of the company? I make my statement again. I don't think they'll ever, in professional wrestling, be another face of the WWE, is it AEW, TNA, whatever it is. There won't be a face. John, is Just it fair to say, though, that Roman Reigns, during this run, <laughs> has kept the fans involved? He has. I think he has. I think it's fair to say what I hear on the outside. I'm tired of it. Oh, you're I'm mean. tired okay. of it. You're so because that's fair. the wins that the wins that Roman has had have not been accomplished on his own. One, not good, not good. <laughs> if he wants to be recognized for what he is and who he is, the tribal chief. Because what did Dwayne Johnson say? The real tribal chief is here, right? And that's going to be a beautiful storyline. Reigns, Cody Rhodes, and your tribal chief. Right? Um, I just think, I just think that it's being handled all wrong. That it's, it should have ended a long time ago. I thought it was going to end. I thought Solo Sakai would be the guy to dethrone him, and then Cody Rhodes would come in and and, and take care of it on the other side. Um, now we have uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, back in the mix again, which is, I guess, okay because my prediction is, and I think the world of Dwayne Johnson, I do, uh, and The Rock. But I don't think this time he's going to go away. It's not going to be one and done. Oh, I, I don't think wrong. you're going to see him cool. go away. Um, okay. John, I got, John, I got to ask you, okay? Mike and I have talked about this a lot. Is your son the last great face in the history of the WWE? Because hmm. we, we do put your son on the level of a Hulk Hogan before him, Bruno. Stone Cold later on, a different kind of good guy, but still a good guy nonetheless. He's a face, one way or the other. The Rock. John Jimmy, Cena is, is on that list. Can is I he add, the last great can, face? Can I add on to your question real quick? Also, uh, to answer Jimmy's question, being a true wrestling fan, how proud are you that you have a son that, and I think everybody's mind, is in the top four greatest wrestlers Ever to step in a ring. The last great face. Yep. I'm very proud of my son and what he's accomplished because my son has done it on his own. You know, people think you just turn around and, and that's it. Um, he slept in his car in California. He lied to me, he didn't have a place to live. He worked 85 hours at the gym um, until they found him at UPW. And then he still continued to sleep in a car 
work on the beaches, um, driving to wrestling shows. Uh, you know, there are a lot of guys like my son who have worked their way from the bottom to the top. Um, dedication, um, and he does have, like a lot of people, dedication to the WWE, WWF. Um, I would say this, and I, I, I alluded to the fact that I don't think there'll ever be another face of the WWF or WWE or, or AEW or whatever. So why don't we just say, I named two people, let's add Cena to the list. How's that? Thank I don't you. want any prejudice. I don't want anybody to say, oh, yeah. you know, he's your kid. Let's just add him to the list. I mean, you know? he is. so he's if you look at wrestling today, you tell me now. My question to the both of you is, who do you see in WWE that's going to carry that torch as long as Cena, as long as Austin, as long as The Rock? Who's going to do that? There's nobody that can do that. San Martino. Who? Nobody. I don't see anybody right. there. I really don't. Do I see a lot of good right. talent? Do I see a lot of young men and women who deserve shots and are getting them that may be able to carry it for a time? Yeah, but nobody's going to carry it for 16 years. Nobody's going to carry it for five or ten years. Nobody. There's nobody there. And Roman Reigns, right now, your buddy, um, people just say enough is enough. And, and, and now it's a case of, and maybe this is why people don't like what they see. Now it's not a case of what the fans want. It's a case of what management wants. They want to destroy Hulk Hogan's record. Well, good. Have a nice day. Enjoy it. John, I love you to death. I agreed with you on 99%, but, boy, you hurt my feelings on these Roman Reigns comments. You are really mine, mine crushing too. my soul. Mine, too. John. The bloodline, the, the bloodline is one of the best stories of the last billion years, and it's been interesting for years, John. I'm very disappointed in you. God bless you. Well, I, I never said I didn't like the bloodline story. <laughs> Because they have one of okay. the greatest managers in the world, Paul Heyman. Yes. Remember one thing. That bloodline would be nothing without Heyman and Roman Reigns because it was Reigns' idea. I believe the bloodline was Reigns' idea. So Reigns is good okay. at what he's doing. But now, like anything else, it's like you and I go into an ice cream shop, and every day we get as much ice cream as we want. How long mm -hmm. will it be before you say, hold it, I've had enough ice cream? Because you've had people out there that were able to beat or should have beaten the tribal chief but didn't. So you see what's happening is the days of cheating and, and, and getting the, 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 the lousy win, those days right now, people are saying this is getting just a little bit too much. Well, and I think hmm. it's better to ride the horse out. And I think the way to do it is Reigns gets screwed and now turns face. Doesn't mean you can't create a second bloodline with your tribal chief, but on the other side, you see, there's a lot of a lot of potential here for a lot of story. But I think it's time now to admit the fact that enough is enough. You've got a universal champion, and I'm just going to say it myself: one who can't and won't defend the title. When he does defend the title, he screws over everybody he fights. Um, so why not have some clean wins? Why not have him do it by himself? Well, let's put you in the ring against him and see what you can do. Well, but, first yeah. of all, I'm fat, and it's clear that I could keep eating ice cream, and I'll never <laughs> stop. So, <laughs> John, 
John, before we go... what's wrong with me? I hope that if I ever faced him that he cheats and I lose. There's got to be something wrong with me. But before before we go, I think it's important that we uh, show our respects to Dan Marotti. Again, everybody knows uh, the back and forth we had with Dan, and that's how we met the great John Cena. And unfortunately, Dan passed away. Um, have you been in touch with Dan's family at all, or can you tell us a little bit? No, that was a very tragic situation. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think that thing got blown out of proportion. But let's leave the past behind and let's forget and forgive everyone involved because it's over and done with. Um, um, we wanted to do a memorial show, but um, the family, I, I believe, just didn't want to do that. And I can understand why. And so what's happened is people have kind of gone their separate ways. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I speak to his brother once in a while. Um, he's asked me to do something um, for a bunch of kids in Melrose, go down and speak to them. Uh, so I'm going to do that on the 22nd in, uh, I think it's either Mal yeah, Malden, Mass. I'm going to go down and chat with those young people. Um, but no, uh, very little contact. I bumped into um, his business partner. Um, uh, I was at a restaurant. I didn't even recognize. I was at the Tuckaway Tavern. Didn't even recognize this guy. He had a beard. You remember me? I said, mm, you know, when uh, it was his partner. And we basically chatted. And they sold all the memorabilia um, that he had. And believe me when I tell you, he had, I didn't realize the extensive amount of uh, memorabilia that this young man had collected. Not only did he have it was in the studio, I guess, but a room at his parents, at his dad's home, and a storage locker. Um, uh, I'm sure that um, that would have been his favorite charity was Special Olympics. Um, but all that was disseminated. Uh, the last show we had to cancel, that was it. And and then I spoke to the family. We, we all spoke, and they didn't want to go forward with the show and didn't want to do a benefit. Um, and, and I guess that's it. It's it's over and it's done with. Well, again, um, he is missed by so many fans. Um, what he built and, honestly, what he did for the industry cannot be challenged um and again like him or hate like him or hate him and, and i believe me i walked out on that guy three or four times you know i don't <laughs> like i didn't like the way he treated people i was very vocal i don't like you taking advantage of people the one thing i despise is making fun of somebody with a handicap or that speaks mm -hmm. with a lisp or so i walked out three or four times i make no bones about it i've had my Shit hands with him too, but forgive and forget, as I say. Uh, and I made it very clear the last time I came back that if it ever happens again, this is the last time you'll see me. I'm just not tolerating this because this is not what this business is about. But he did a lot for uh, a lot of people. Um, he took a lot of the uh, older wrestlers and, and um, kind of gave them hands. There's all kinds of stories out there, fact or fiction. I don't know. Um, but it is what it is. What's done is done. Um, he loved what he did. He loved the business. Uh, it's unfortunate that the accident occurred, but that's why I think we're back to the beginning of the show. Um, went home, took a shower, fatherhood heard a thud in the bathroom, and that was it. So it's a road that we all travel. Let's travel it with joy, love, and mm -hmm. smiles in our hearts. Don't look for hate or, or anger or revenge, and just enjoy this ride 
because when the breeze comes and blows out the candle, it's out for good. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that was that was the way it, it went. And, and he was always, and I will say this, he was always in severe pain um, because of the accident that he had, that automobile accident with the sheik yeah. mm-hmm. hit by a drunk driver. He was always in severe pain, always in pain. Um, sometimes he get calls, he's going to kill himself. That's how bad it was. And um, so through that, he still managed to do some stuff. Did he do stuff right all the time? No, I wasn't impressed when he, he allowed Marty Gennetti uh, to do that sh- that, that uh, TV show, Drunk, and talk about Linda McMahon and some other people that way. And I'm sure Marty was embarrassed when he saw it. But, um, you know, that's just the way it is. But outside of that, like I say, we all have our faults. We all have our skeletons. And that's why I, I say to people, you know, the old Irish, Irish saying is you can't pee in the wind. And don't throw stones because somehow they hit a rubber wall and they come back and hit you. And then when they come back, they hit you hard. Yeah. So um, that's why I, I kind of sit back one, in my own life. One thing I don't want to get lost on the whole thing, what you guys did with that channel and the entertainment you gave to so many people, especially during COVID, um, should not be forgotten. Uh, he helped and you helped. And uh, I think Oscar had a show with him on there. Um, Marty Jannetty, obviously, Atlas, which you guys did for fans out there, which, you know, only had their laptop or their computer and MWF Boston Wrestling Channel, should not be, it just should never be forgotten. And I know on this show, me and Jimmy will never forget Marathi at all. Um, We know what he did for, for the people out there. So, and again, the same goes for you. So, Obviously, in life, we have negatives and positives, but I, 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 I claim to think that there's more positives uh, that Marathi gave out to the world than negatives, for sure. I believe that. I do. Well, you guys are going to have to come up here and get some Chinese food at the Kowloon. I'm going to look up, forward. I, I am going to come up and see you. And again, John, I want to I want to say this and then I'll let Jimmy speak. Um you are, again, one of the most impressive people I've ever met. You're calm. You're funny. Um, and, again, it's no wonder that all your, your sons turned out as great as they all turned out to be. You should be very proud to be a father and, and what you've done, and you should be just very proud of everything that you've done. i got to tell you that you mean the world to me and Jimmy, and I could speak to Jimmy and that. Jimmy? Yeah, he's got me thinking about Dan Marotti, and, and we don't normally, you know, I don't I don't normally say this, but he was such a worthy opponent. He really was, because his product was good, his guests were good, and uh, at the end of the day, it was a terrible tragedy. John, I just want to thank you, because uh, you're right there, with, and Mike knows how we feel about Bob Backlund when he came into the studio. You are You are right there as far as just an absolute pleasure to talk to you're rational and and you get what we're what we're doing and have been doing for years now and i really really appreciate the fact that you're a gentleman to us because most people uh you know think we're lunatics but i really do appreciate everything about you thank you well thank you and you guys are brothers to me and it's an honor and a privilege to be allowed to come back on your show and uh, please my door is open anytime and um, again, it's great to see the both of you 
You're both looking good. Stay healthy. Be well. Be safe. John, before you go, you. Um, we, we have a couple of different shows on the channel. We have a guy from Boston. His name was his name is What a J Joe Lowry. Did you know Joe? What a day. <laughs> what a day. Joe Lowry. I'd have to see a face. Well, let's see what he thinks about that you don't know him. What is he what's his thoughts about you not giving him any props? Joe, what are you thinking? Oh, you just upset Joe, man. That's just Look at that's me. not right. That's not right, John. John, thanks again. God. Thanks again for joining us, man. What a day. We love you. What a day. <laughs> thanks, Mr. Cena. Thank you, John. Thank, Thank you. you. Jimmy. Look at you, Mike. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, boy. Your phone's going to be ringing off the hook all night. The great John uh, Cena Sr. Absolutely, man. I'm thinking what I said to him. I, he's right there with Backlund. I mean, as far as a feel-good interview, I, the guy's fantastic. He's very, very intelligent. I mean, it's really hard to argue with a lot of the things he says. It's and more importantly, the way he says it. Mm. He's Captain Composure. I mean, what's his secret? How do I get there? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean. You know, he wrote me and he said he really didn't want to go into the McMahon stuff. And I totally get it, right? It's like, he you know, brought, Wait a minute. He brought him up. What, but that's, he brought what, up that's what I'm saying. That's the amazing thing about him. I think as right. he was thinking, he's right. like, you know what? I've got to say what I have to say. And, and boy, right. if I'm anti-Vince or pro-Vince, right? Right. You listen right. to that, right? You're just in your head. You haven't spoken to anybody. And it's like, I'm going to listen mm -hmm. to John Cena Cena on this before I right. even spout a word. Right. Boy, oh boy. Right. He flattened you out. Yep. Yep. You know what? I'm, I'm actually very proud of this, that John felt comfortable enough to talk to us about. He trusted us to talk to, to talk about mm. this, you know, and I, and I'm very happy about that. You know, he, he showed faith. And, and of course, you know, people uh, run away with our opinion on how we feel about Vince and stuff like that. But he trusted us and we didn't we didn't charge through the door. OK, now let's say all these outrageous things and blah, blah, blah. No, it was an intelligent conversation coming from an intelligent man. And it was great. I really, really loved it. I can't wait to watch it on the playback at some point. You know, it was fantastic. The one thing he gave me clarity on. Jimmy, and it hit me when he was speaking. You know, I bitch yeah. and moan about these anti-Vince McMahon guys, right? Right. And right. I realized I'm this major pro-Vince McMahon guy, which I've said, right? Because Vince, again, as a younger man, I looked up to Vince McMahon. So it's almost like you're getting these rumors about a family member. You're, like, defending them. So I realized when John was speaking, I was like, you know, I'm as guilty as the anti-Vince McMahon guys because I'm totally like, I won't listen to the other side because I just believe in what Vince is. And But now right. he gave me clarity is like, level it out right. like you've been saying since the beginning. Let this right. all play out and then right. leave yourself to make decisions on what's going on. Right. Right. Wanted, yeah, but what a day, what, Joe. Like, do you think that was a good comment on my end or no? I don't think so. Look at that. I don't think he's going to like it oh, at come all. Come on, Joe. Look I, at come that. on. Dude, he is disgusted with you. What, are, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Man, oh I man. mean, can I'd roll my, 
if we rolled our eyes, nobody would see it because we're wearing shades. So, so, but man, I'm rolling my eyes right now. Do you Jim, see me? I'm like, oh. Jimmy, here's what I'm going uh, to test you with. I'm away on vacation okay. with my wife and my daughter and her husband next week. Abe yeah. has the week off. You yeah. need to pick a partner for next week and do the show. So get prepared. What? Yes. How? How am I doing that without Abe? No, you don't need Abe, right, for this. We'll figure I, it out. But I just want Abe, to make how sure does that feel? I don't need you. What? I want to make sure that everybody is aware that Jimmy will be picking a co-host and be running the show what? next week. Um, Jimmy, again, how? two very great yeah. shows. Joe from What A Day, yeah. seriously, we love having you on the channel. I hope you didn't take or banter on you too seriously. It's all in fun and games. Oh what do you God. think about my apology, Joe? Eat shit, Monty! Uh, he's not accepting my apology. Joe, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Joe, please forgive me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you think you would have listened to one thing John Cena Sr. had to say about forgiveness? Just one Just thing! Just one thing! And he won't forgive. All right, Jimmy, send us out. You've been watching Monty and the Pharaoh. And until next week when I supposedly try to do this on my own. Later. Love you all.